Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. And let me give a particular welcome to Anne. Uh, lovely to see Anne along with us this morning. We've been praying for her for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, and really good to see you, Anne, uh, this morning. Now, I was mixed up uh, talking to Aaron because I had thought that he was away this week. And actually, he's away next week. So I thought he was speaking next week. Uh, and and we, we got the whole month mixed up, which is good because we're a bit late this morning. Uh, so probably I'll not get through all I was going to say. So I'll finish it next week. So that, that'll, that'll, that'll work out. So if I get, get halfway through, uh, and, and next week, so I'll, I'll worry about that sometime. Uh, but let, let's see. Uh, let's see if we can start. Oh, sorry, let me give you a title. We're going to look at experiencing the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, here's... Something that divides opinion. Apparently, you either, you either love it or hate it. Uh, Marmite, I don't know which group you fall into. Uh, relatively trivial thing, but people are really divided uh, about this. Here are some other things that divide opinion. Um, Brexit, which has happened, but whatever you think about it. Uh, dear Donald, should he be impeached or, or not? Uh, climate change, should we be worrying about it? Should we be forgetting about it? And, of course, lately, uh, Meghan and... Um, what's his name? Uh, Harry. <laughs> Harry. I always, I always mix him up with the bold one. I can never remember which is what. Uh, he, he's Harry. So people have strong views, strong views about, about these uh, things. Uh, and among Christians, one of the things which causes so much division is the experience of the Holy Spirit. Uh, how, how do we understand his ministry in, in our lives? And there's been great divisions caused by this. Um, historically, between the Pentecostal church and other denominations, uh, if you were to speak to, uh, uh, we get on very well with the, uh, for example, the, the Elam Church down in, in meets down the Queen's Hall. We, we used to meet. We get on very well with them. But there are quite big differences between uh, some of what, what they would teach and what, what we would teach. And more recently, uh, the so-called charismatic movement, uh, which really began in the second half of the last century, has caused division with, within denominations. People within a denomination, Church of Ireland, Presbyterian, whatever, uh, will disagree about how do we understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the problem is maybe that some people overemphasize their experience of him. Uh, and uh, others maybe feel inadequate. They think, oh, what sort of Christian am I? Am I, am I really a, a Christian? Uh, and yet, as we mentioned earlier, what Tim said uh, before one of our songs, Jesus, when he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, said he would bring glory to me. And the Holy Spirit didn't come to draw attention to himself, nor to individual Christians. He came to draw attention uh, to Jesus. But then some go to the other extreme and underemphasize his ministry. Uh, they aren't open to his work in, the, in their lives. There, there's a fearfulness. There's a hesitancy. Uh, and, and that's a tragedy, that this division that comes, because one activity of the Holy Spirit is to bring unity to believers. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So the very one who came to unite the church, we've been hearing about, about Romania and how uh, right through the world God has been uniting his people, the very one who came to do that has been a cause of division. And I wonder why uh, that, that is. So what I want to look this morning at is really what, what has been the cause of these divisions. I think these, these really centre around two expressions, our understanding of two expressions. And we look at them, we maybe look at the first one today, second one next week, see how we get on. And those expressions are baptism in the Holy Spirit. That could be baptism in or of or with the Holy Spirit. The, the original can be translated in any of those ways. And then the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And there are lots and lots of books that have been written and sermons preached on these, uh, the, these issues, of course. And you get a variety of opinions and, and different experiences, and, and people have different views. What we want to try and do this morning is to look briefly at what, what God says in, in his word. 
Uh, and it's not about my opinion or, or someone else's opinion. Uh, it's simply about what, what God says, what, what we, we think God is saying to us. Of course, there's a problem here because Scripture has to be interpreted. Uh, you can read a passage and someone else can read a passage and you get two very genuine committed Christians read something in Scripture and they understand it differently. Uh, the theologians call it the interpretation of Scripture hermeneutics. Uh, theologians like so many experts like to give things big words. It makes them sound very clever. So they call it hermeneutics. It just means understanding or interpreting what God says. So I'm going to give you, as I have read, spent a long time this week trying to read and clarify my thoughts uh, to understand what, what, what I think Scripture is saying. You may disagree, and that's okay. You can come along at the end of the service and disagree with me and bring your hard questions. If I'm stuck, I'll find Aaron, uh, and we will try, uh, uh, we will try and, and, and see where, where we come. There's no harm in disagreeing as long as we're not falling out. We can have different views. Maybe I'm wrong. You can come and, and speak to me about that. But we want to make sure that we are not uh, breaking that unity of the Spirit uh, through the bond of peace which God, whom God has given us. So let's pray together, and then we make a start, and we see how we get on. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, and we, we acknowledge the uh, inspiration of your Holy Spirit for those who wrote it for us, those who uh, translated it, and, and for the fact that we have it so freely available to us. Uh, and yet we, we acknowledge also that as we read it uh, w- with our minds that we have to try and understand your, your will and your mind. So we, we pray that that same Holy Spirit about whom we're speaking would enlighten us and teach us and help us to understand and help us to know uh, the power which you promised uh, as you left the Holy Spirit with your disciples. So Father, we commit uh, our, our time to, together to you now. I pray that you'll bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look at the first of these expressions to begin with, baptism in the Holy Spirit, which causes a bit of controversy, a few uh, ruffles uh, in the church. And it's an expression that occurs seven times in in the New Testament. Uh, And four of them are in the Gospels. Each of the Gospels records the words of Jesus. These are are Matthew's uh, words, or Jesus' words recorded by Matthew. The the other three Gospels also record them. And Jesus said, beg your pardon, these are the words of John the Baptist, not of Jesus, John the Baptist, where Jesus said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than you, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And John's words there show the difference between his ministry and Jesus' ministry. His baptism was to be external, a sign of repentance on the part of those coming forward, the Jewish people coming forward. Uh, for repentance, acknowledging their sin, and they would be baptized by John in the Jordan. Whereas Jesus was, or Jesus, John was speaking about Jesus coming and bringing a baptism, which would be internal, a transformation by the Holy Spirit, uh, something which would happen in their lives, a supernatural event which would happen through the power of, of God. And John, of course, spoke to Jewish people, and Jewish people would have known the Old Testament very well. They would have recognized in John's words promises from way back when, promises which nothing really seemed to have happened for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, and there are many references to this new activity of the Holy Spirit, of course, in, uh, in uh, the Old Testament. Uh, here's perhaps the best known one uh, from Joel. Afterwards, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even in my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And the Jews had a real expectation that God was at some point going to do uh, something different. The age of the Holy Spirit would mark the beginning of a new covenant, a new relationship between God uh, and people. 
uh, he said that he would take away their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. There was going to be a, a change, a change in the way God related to people. Uh, and of course, the Old Testament always looked forward to this uh, point at this time. The Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. Of course he was. Uh, he taught people, he gifted people, he empowered people, he spoke through the prophets. But essentially in the Old Testament, God worked at, uh, at certain times in the lives of certain people for certain tasks. He empowered people to, to do something at a particular uh, time. But now his work was going to go deeper. Uh, it would go right into the hearts of people, bring an inner transformation and his work would go wider. It would be to all people, not, not just to, uh, to those uh, few whom God was using for particular activities at a particular time, but God was about to fulfill these promises through the Messiah and to pour out his Holy Spirit as the prophets ha- had said. And so Jesus uh, reminded the disciples of, of the, the words of John just before he returned to heaven. Uh, this is the, the fifth time that, that the, the word baptism, the Holy Spirit, is mentioned uh, in the New Testament. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem, to wait there, uh, and the Holy Spirit would be given to them. And then uh, the sixth mention is of the, the, the phrase or the, the words baptize the Holy Spirit is from Peter, when he was in the house of Cornelius, sometime later recorded, recalled those words of, of Jesus. And of course, the promise was fulfilled just a few days later at Pentecost. And in Acts, Luke records how the Holy Spirit came. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So there were about 120 believers here, we read in the first chapter of Acts, gathered together when the Holy Spirit was given in spectacular fashion. Uh, incredible uh, events that happened that day. There was a sound of the mighty, a mighty rushing wind. And remember, we looked a couple of weeks ago uh, that both the Greek and the Hebrew for, for spirit are the same as that for wind or breath, ruach uh, and pneuma. And here was God's Holy Spirit coming, this, this great uh, activity in, in the room. Uh, sound of wind and, and flames and fire. Uh, and the people being able to speak in other languages, languages they'd never, never learnt, languages which other people around about uh, could, could understand. And this was the beginning of, of a new age. This was God moving into a new age of a new covenant with his people. And it came in spectacular fashion. And of course, the onlookers were amazed. Some of them accused the believers of being drunk. They said, this is ridiculous behavior. What is going on? And Peter said, no, it's only early in the morning. And this is actually the fulfillment of that prophecy of Joel, which the people would have known about. God was pouring out his spirit. He poured out his spirit on those who had accepted Jesus as the Messiah. I just want to make uh, three points about baptism in the Holy Spirit, really, uh, as we look. And again, you may, you can disagree later. You can bring your verses along to back up your arguments if you want. Uh, I'm going to say that baptism in the Holy Spirit is fundamental. Uh, without the work of the Holy Spirit, it would be impossible to be a Christian. Uh, there's none of us here who calls him or herself a Christian who has not experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is he who convicts people of sin. Jesus said that. When he comes, he will convict people of sins. Even before you were a Christian, God the Holy Spirit was working in your life, convicting you, opening your eyes to the truth of the gospel. Just as he did to Richard Vermbrandt, we heard about earlier there, that God is at work by the Holy Spirit. And he then helps us to grow as Christians. 
to show that the evidence of conversion in our lives, Aaron was speaking about this last week, to help us show the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that is the Holy Spirit at work in us. And every Christian, every Christian believer receives the Holy Spirit as a gift from the moment of conversion. Uh, a Christian someone in whom the Holy Spirit has worked, uh, who has brought new birth to spiritual life. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born of water and the Spirit. You must be born again. You must be born of water and born of the Spirit. If you're a Christian, then you're born of the Spirit. And John and Jesus uh, both refer to this uh, as baptism in or with or by the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and in fact, uh, Paul says right to the Romans, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You, you cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit having acted uh, in your life. So on that basis, if we understand that or accept that, being baptized with the Holy Spirit is a sort of vivid figure of speech for, for receiving the Holy Spirit uh, as was promised uh, in, in Pentecost. As Peter promised in his Pentecost, his, his first sermon, he said, believe and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit. It's not an event that occurs subsequent to conversion. It's the very essence of conversion. Rebirth is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, a working in your heart and mind of the Holy Spirit. And nowhere in the New Testament do you find a command to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You won't find that anywhere in the New Testament. Those words are not used. Now, you may say, well, wait a minute, I can think of exceptions. And you'd be right. Pentecost was an exception, obviously. Uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit and faith didn't come simultaneously then because the Holy Spirit hadn't been given. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit, whom I spoke about, whom I promised. I said, when I go to heaven, the Holy Spirit, the, the counselor will come and empower you and equip you. So the 120 who were there were already followers of Jesus. They, they were already believers, but the Holy Spirit hadn't been given to them as Jesus was still with them. So as he returned to heaven, he said, go to Jerusalem, wait, and in a few days that promise will be fulfilled. And the believers received the gift of the Holy Spirit, which God had promised them before the day of Pentecost. And they were baptized with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But we now live after Pentecost. Uh, and when we become Christian, when someone becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives and is given to them, poured out to them. Uh, you can call it baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, or, or, or whatever. Samaria was another uh, example. Philip went and preached in Samaria. Uh, after the believers were scattered, after uh, Stephen had been martyred, he went to preach in Samaria, and many believed. And news reached the, the Christians in, in Jerusalem, and so Peter and John were sent to investigate. Why were they, were they sent to investigate? Whenever people were converted, Peter and John were not normally sent to investigate. Well, they were sent because that was such a momentous event. The Samaritans, remember, were the arch enemies of the Jews. The Jewish people descended from the tribe of Judah. The Samaritans descended from the tribe of Israel, which had then mixed with other, other nations. And they were hated by the Jews. They were despised by the Jews. The very idea that they would be included in God's family to a Jew would have been a huge uh, stumbling block. And so the apostles went. Uh, Peter and John went and prayed for these people. And the Holy Spirit came upon them in power. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was essentially a sign for the Jewish believers from uh, Jerusalem, for Peter and John to be absolutely certain that, yes, God had, as he said, he had opened up the kingdom of God to all who believed, not, not just to the Jewish people. They were his special people right through the Old Testament. But suddenly these Samaritans had been 
blessed by God. And there was a sign for them. And so they needed to go back to the church in Jerusalem to say, do you know what? God has actually worked in the Samaritans as well, these people uh, who were our enemies. In Ephesus, another example. You may say, well, here, I've got another example. Here's, here's one. In Ephesus, 12 people uh, met uh, Paul, and they appeared only to have received John's uh, baptism. And Paul puts a very important question. And Paul says this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, that's, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, the question almost suggests that Paul doubted that they had actually become Christians. Because if he told people that if you become a Christian, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? What he's really saying is, are, are you really Christians? Uh, and they said, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. So it looks as though, and you can disagree again, it looks as though they had never really fully understood the gospel. They'd been baptized by, by John, as many people had. They'd never fully understood the gospel. They had never fully come to faith. And so again, uh, Paul prays with them, uh, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was evidence of their conversion, evidence to Paul, evidence to them that they had really been born again, and the Holy Spirit came on them in great power. And that, I think, really signified their new birth. That was simultaneous with their really fully understanding the gospel uh, and coming to faith. So there are some exceptions, but the the norm right through the New Testament, right through Acts, seems to be that people came to faith uh, as a result of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. They were born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and called into God's kingdom. And the second thing, going to be a minute now. Second thing is baptism. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is, I think, universal. If I'm right, then all Christians have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a spiritual transformation. That's the, the pouring out of the Spirit, which which Joel spoke about. Uh, all who turn to Jesus receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. So I think that baptism in the Holy Spirit is is the same as the the gift of the Holy Spirit on profession of faith. It's God's gift to all those who turn to him in faith through the Lord Jesus. So Christians are those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, born of water and the Spirit. A spiritual transaction has taken uh, place in their lives. Uh, Paul says, writing to uh, the Corinthians, For we were all baptized, again, by or with or in one Spirit, into one body. He said, all of us were baptized. Uh, That transformation took place uh, and we were born again into God's kingdom. And that's the seventh and the final, that's the final uh, mention of that phrase, baptized in or with or by the Holy Spirit in in the New Testament. And thirdly and finally, I think we'll leave it here this morning. I'm going to say baptism in the Holy Spirit is normally unspectacular. It was certainly spectacular for the people at Pentecost, for those 120. But immediately uh, after that, uh, Peter went out and preached, and 3,000 people came to faith on the day of Pentecost. And there's no suggestion, there's no evidence of uh, tongues or flames of fire or, or great winds. But Peter did say, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we read that 3,000 people were belie- believed were baptized and were added to the church that day. And there's no reason to think that they didn't receive the Holy Spirit, just the same way as the other 120. It just wasn't so spectacular, because that was the first arrival of the Holy Spirit. There seemed to be no wind or flames or, or, or miraculous tongues or languages. 
But there's no suggestion that they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no suggestion that their conversion was any less than uh, that of the 120 who came before. You see, I think that if you're a Christian today, you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought you to faith and and filled your life, and we all need him. Uh, Just like those 3,000 at Pentecost, you may not have experienced anything like the people in Pentecost believe, but that doesn't mean that you're anyway inadequate uh, as a Christian. Paul says right into the Galatians, receiving the Holy Spirit results from believing what you heard. Believing what you heard. When you believe, when someone believes uh, and comes to faith, they receive the Holy Spirit. That is coming to faith. That's what the Holy Spirit opening their eyes. may not be spectacular. Uh, some would say, unless you've spoken in tongues, then, then you should really doubt that, that you're a Christian. I've heard lots of people say that. Uh, speaking in tongues is, is a spiritual gift. We're going to look at spiritual gifts next week, maybe, <laughs> depending on how we get on to the end of this week, next week. We're going to look at spiritual gifts. Not everyone receives the same spiritual gift. Scripture's clear in that. Uh, some people may be given a gift of, of speaking in tongues, that supernatural gift, but not everyone. If that's not been your experience, that doesn't mean that you're not as good a Christian uh, as someone else. Well, let, let, let's sum up very, very briefly then. Uh, I think that in the New Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit is a gift given by God. When we come to faith, he brings us to faith uh, and he fills us, uh, and that is still true today. Uh, if someone's a Christian, that person's been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Uh, speaking in tongues or, or miraculous events is not evidence of conversion. That is something that takes place in our hearts. It's not something that happens subsequent to conversion. Some people say you need a subsequent second blessing. It's something that happens as we are converted. And some insist that receiving the Holy Spirit is always accompanied by miraculous signs. I don't think that's true. I don't think it was true in the New Testament. It may not have been true in your life. It doesn't mean that you're any less a Christian. So there is a danger of overemphasizing the work of the Holy Spirit and a whole... Uh, rafts of books have been written about this. The Holy Spirit has been given by God to us um, to, to help us uh, and to equip us uh, and to empower us. Um, I'm going to move on quickly here. I'm going to look at one more thing. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Uh, let me quote Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Aaron usually would quote him, but this is me. I do, I, I've never seen Star Wars films. I just find this. Uh, he says, It takes strength to resist the dark side. It, it is more powerful than you know. It takes strength to live for God out in a very hostile, secular world. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us needs uh, his power. And I am going to flick on quickly now. Don't look at those the next weeks. Don't look at those. Don't look at those. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. Ah, look at this. This is John Stott. Let me just finish with John Stott right, right at the end. I actually had one other, one other quotation I was going to give you before that. But we'll, we'll look at this again next week. This is something we can all agree on. Wherever one looks in the church today, there is an evident need for a deeper work of the Holy Spirit. And Mark, John Stott would believe the same as I've just, his view would be more or less what I've just outlined to you. So we're not talking about a sort of a charismatic writer here, if you like. Wherever one looks in the church today, there's an evident need for a deeper work of the Holy Spirit. Society is now confessedly pluralistic and permissive. The institution of the church survives, but it is regarded by most people as a relic from the past, an outmoded structure like the superstition to which it clings. The dead, dry bones of the church need the living breath of God. We must be careful not to quench the Holy Spirit by resolving to contain him within our own safe traditional patterns. So next week we look at the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What, what, what do we mean by that second expression that causes a bit of division? So if you ha- can't find your arguments for today, we'll think about them and we can talk about them next week when we finish the whole message. We'll let, let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you didn't uh, leave us 
to fend for ourselves. We thank you that just as the fearful, frightened disciples who were locked away in the upper room after uh, Jesus was crucified, thank you that uh, you sent the Holy Spirit who empowered them and sent them out to preach to people up and down their country and uh, for the gospel which through their ministry gradually spread to the whole of the world. We we thank you even as we have done already for the spread of the gospel right to Ireland, right through Europe, uh, despite all the opposition that has faced over years. And Father, we pray that you help us to understand uh, your Holy Spirit. Help us to rely on him, not to rely on our own ability or experience, but to allow you uh, to fill us with your Spirit again and again, that we may be your people in a world which needs to hear the truth of the gospel. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.